with the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It is Thursday, December 14th, 2023, the Feast of St. John of the Cross. St. John of the Cross, a confessor and a doctor of the church, known for co-reforming the Carmelite Order with St. Teresa of Avila. He's lesser known than Teresa of Avila for some reason, but yet he is still one of the greatest of the spiritual masters. He ended up dying in prison. Now, instead of focusing in on the details of his life, I thought it would be interesting to take a couple lessons from some of his maxims. And so instead of going through his life, that's what we're going to do. So one of the things that he said, and I think it's incredibly interesting, he says, I did not know thee, my Lord, because I still desire to know and relish trifling things. My spirit became dry because it forgot to rest in thee. And I think what's one element of an important thing here, because there's a lot there packed into that one sentence, is that it's difficult to be about God whenever you're about the world. Whenever you are still thinking too much of worldly things instead of thinking of the things of the Lord, it makes it very difficult for you to understand and to love God in a more perfect way. I think about the quote of St. Dominic in his address to his brothers, and he said, speak only to God or about God. And that is what St. John the Cross is implying here. That if I focus in on things of the world, if I focus in on the trifling things around me, well, then I miss the forest for the trees. And I think that's very important. The other thing that I think we should focus on is the element of my spirit became dry because it forgot to rest in thee. See, the consequence of seeking satisfaction in trifling things and things of the world is, in fact, a spiritual dryness. The soul becomes arid because it forgets to rest in God. So I think this emphasizes in a most perfect way the incompatibility of love of God and of attachment to the world. You have to detach from the world in order to love God. Now, one last thing that I'll focus on, because there's a lot of other things that, of course, we could focus on, but real quickly in depth, and I may touch on just two two other things. If you wish to attain holy recollection, you will do so not by approving, but by denying. This, of course, he's talking here about denying yourself, denying the world, to not have this idea of everything is hunky-dory, everything is wonderful, everything is awesome, but instead, you want to instead deny the world, reject the world. You want to hate the world, as our Lord said, and instead love God above all else. And so lastly, we'll go through these in a rapid-fire way. He says, the devil fears a soul united to God as he does God himself. Why is this? Because when you are united to God, when you are in a state of sanctifying grace, you have the Holy Trinity dwelling within your soul, and the devil hates that. He goes on, he says, the purest suffering produces the purest understanding. This is, of course, true, but it's a hard saying. Suffering is good for us. Suffering unites us with Christ. It's hard. It's difficult. But with suffering, if it's embraced well, 
It, in fact, brings us closer to God and unites us with Our Lady. And lastly, we'll focus this. Through small things, one reaches the great. The evil that at the beginning appears insignificant later becomes enormous and without remedy. This is very important because basically what he's saying here is small things turn to big things. If we do not correct the small imperfections in our lives, those things will start to blossom out into larger things. We think, oh, it's just a venial sin. No big deal. Oh, it's I know it's a Tuesday. I can totally make it to mass, but I'm not going to go to mass because I just don't I don't want to. And it's not a sin not to. Those small imperfections of slothfulness, laziness, these kind of small, small things blossom out into very large things. We need to be vigilant and stamp those out. So what do we ask for from St. John of the Cross on this feast day? We ask him to give us a, these firm principles within our soul, that we meditate upon these principles and that we grow in our spiritual lives. St. John of the Cross Pray for us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. Are you crying, Rudy? Like St. John of the Cross. I'm having a dark night of the soul. Oh, yeah? Or am I? Nah, dude. You're just uh, <laughs> Most you, people just never. Sad. Yeah, most people never have a dark night of the soul, unfortunately. Uh, if only we could be so perfect. That means we're on a very serious path of perfection there. Right, right. I mean, I think uh, Dark Knight of the Soul, St. John of the Cross has that listed as you have already gotten through the purgative way, meaning you mm-hmm. have already gotten rid of all your mortal sins. You don't you don't commit mortal sins anymore. You don't You've, like venial sins. Your venial sins are pretty much out the door and you're done with that. He said then leading into the next way is when you get hit with the Dark Knight of the Soul. So if you're committing mortal sins on, I don't know, at least a monthly basis, you're probably not in a dark night of the soul. I'm going to be honest with you. You're probably just sad. <laughs> I was oh, talking to a, to a friend of mine got mad at me about that. Uh, he was he was talking about his like home oh, having spiritual dryness and he had this, that, the other. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think I'm in the dark night of the soul. I'm like, no offense, dude. You're probably <laughs> just having spiritual dryness. I get it. It happens. Praying gets a little boring. And he got really offended. He's like, how do you know I'm not in the dark, not the dark night of the soul? How do you know? I'm like, well, the fact that you're reacting this way tells me you're not in the dark night of the soul. <laughs> <laughs> and so there you go, folks. This is um, so if you if you ever get upset with me for the way I talk to you, just remember, I talk this way to my friends as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He's very and, abusive. And, this <laughs> and, and people wonder why I have so few. There you go. <laughs> All right. So coming up in this hour, speaking of uh, being, being mean, uh, Fauci says he identifies as a Catholic but claims he doesn't really need to practice the faith. Hmm. Um, so he's like most Catholics. Okay, got it. <laughs> At 30 past the hour. Is men wearing skirts historical or homosexual? We're going to talk about that at 30 past the hour. And at 45 past the hour, Mr. Rex Teodosio explains the five first Saturday's devotion. It's honestly, it really moved me. It really moved me. And that was hearing him talk about the five first Saturdays. So you're going to love to hear about that. And in the next hour, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today, a much nicer guy, I would say, than I am. He is going to come on and talk to us about why to make a holy hour and how to make a holy hour. All this coming up in this hour. Oh, and of course, we have our Fear and Trembling game show. So make sure you tune in for 
all of that, you won't want to miss a single moment of it. But let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions. We're praying for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for. I ask for special prayers for my grandfather, that he be healed of his cancer, and for baby Nicholas, that he, as a preemie, be developed completely and healthily, and for our friend Caleb's wife. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. O divine infant Jesus, I have recourse to thee. Please, through thy blessed mother, assist me in this necessity, because I firmly believe that thy divinity can help me. I hope with confidence to obtain thy holy grace. I love thee with all my heart and with all the strength of my soul. I repent sincerely of my sins, and I beg thee, O good Jesus, to grant me the strength to triumph over them. I resolve never more to offend thee, and I come to offer myself to thee with the intention of enduring everything rather than to displease thee. Henceforth, I desire to serve thee with fidelity, and for the love of thee, O divine infant, I will love my neighbor as myself. All-powerful infant, O Jesus, I implore thee again, assist me in this need. Grant me the grace of possessing thee eternally with Mary and Joseph, and of adoring thee with the angels in the heavenly court. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here are some of your headlines this morning. The Supreme Court is to review a high-stakes abortion case. The U.S. Supreme Court is set to reconsider a crucial abortion pill case with potential ramifications on male distribution of these drugs. The case, Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine versus the FDA, reviews a Fifth Circuit ruling that favored reinstating safety measures, including a risk evaluation and mitigation strategy for mifepristone. This drug, constituting over half of U.S. abortions, deprives unborn babies of nutrients, followed by a second pill inducing contractions. Pro-life groups argue that the FDA hastily approved the drug in 2000 and overlooked severe risks. The recent Fifth Circuit ruling invalidated post-2016 changes and will potentially reinstate pre-2016 restrictions on these types of drugs. And here's a really crazy headline. No whites allowed at Boston Mayor's Christmas party for electeds of color only. The invitation was sent by Denise Dos Santos, Director of City Council Relations on behalf of Mayor Wu, and the email was mistakenly sent out to all city council members, including the white ones. The email was out for about 15 minutes before Dos Santos sent out a second email apologizing for the first, saying that the invitation was only intended for those who were invited, namely those six counselors of color and not the seven white counselors. Some claimed that because Dos Santos meant no ill will and that the exclusion of some of the councils based solely on their race was acceptable. Elected of color, Councillor Tanya Fernandez-Anderson also thought it was totally fine to hold a party segregated by race. In her view, there was no need for apologies at all, and that the email should not offend anyone. And Hunter Biden skips deposition ordered by lawmakers and condemns impeachment inquiry on the lawn of the Capitol. Hunter Biden staged a press conference on the steps of Congress, rejecting a House impeachment inquiry into his father, President Biden, and defying a subpoena for a closed-door deposition. Originally scheduled to testify in private, Hunter spoke outside of the Senate, leaving without taking any questions. House Republicans waited for him in the hearing room and then spoke to reporters after he failed to show up, warning that the president's son may now be found in contempt of Congress. 
House investigators probing President Biden's involvement in his son's deals gathered bank records and witness testimony. Hunter faces federal charges of tax evasion and false tax returns with a maximum 17-year prison sentence. Those are some of your headlines this morning. Thank you very much for listening to Catholic Drive Time. Stay tuned for more. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. The gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 11 through 15. Now, this, of course, is John the Baptist showing up in front of our Lord. And what does our Lord say of John the Baptist? He says, Amen, I say to you, there hath not risen among them that are born of a woman a greater than John the Baptist. Yet he that is lesser in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Wow. Now imagine if someone said that about you. They just praised you a a huge amount. There's no one greater than this guy. Then they hedged a little bit. Then they say, but those who come after him will be even greater. Now, what is our Lord here trying to say? Cornelius Alapide commenting on this said that others wouldn't conclude that he is more than a prophet which he proceeds to prove. So he's explaining who this man is, that he in fact is a prophet. So when he says there's none greater, he's referring to John the Baptist among the prophets. Among the prophets, he is the greatest because people will say, but what about St. Joseph? What about the Blessed Virgin? Because all these people were born and they technically are after Christ. So are they less than John the Baptist? Our Lord is talking about among the prophets. He is the greatest of all the prophets. Even though Moses seemed to have been greater, he did more miracles, he lived a longer life, and he did more things, John the Baptist, though, saw our Lord face to face. He spent time with our Lord, was raised with our Lord. He was sanctified in the womb. He had a miraculous conception and birth. He was sanctified in the womb. And he was a forerunner of Christ himself, announcing that Christ came. But why are those who come after him greater? Because we have access to the sacraments. John the Baptist did not have access to the sacraments. He did not have access to receive Holy Communion. He wasn't there at the foot of the cross. And we have the opportunity to do so. So let's take advantage of that. Let's take advantage of the opportunity that Christ has given us to be greater than John the Baptist. Do you want to do that? Are you going to take advantage of that opportunity? I'm going to try. Try with me. Let's be practicing Catholics today. We'll be right back with more right after this. Within the story of Jesus' birth lies a sharing of the joy that the shepherds experienced upon seeing the newborn king. It's easy to see joy when we see a young child excited while opening a Christmas present, or the laughter while enjoying Easter candy. But often instead, we get caught up in the serious side of life and the challenges of the day. Imagine seeing the world around us like a simple child each and every day as a gift from God, full of wonder at creation, full of enthusiasm for what the Lord has bestowed upon us. Imagine laughing and sharing in joy with those present around us. Jesus encouraged us to be like children. Let's enjoy what God has given us with simplicity and with joy. This has been a bit of Catholic encouragement from Michael Gisandi. The 
The Guadalupe Radio Network would like to invite you to listen to A Life Lived Joyfully, a show where we explore the call to holiness and the life of virtue. Join our hosts, Martha Fernandez Sardina, Monsignor Charles Pope, Steve Gleason, and Sarah Soto, as they discuss ways to live an authentic Catholic life, to strive for holiness and grow in virtue. Tune in Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. You can also be a part of the conversation with questions or comments at 877-757-9424. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be on with you today. It's always good to be here with you, though. Today especially, though. You know why? Because it's Thursday. Of course. We've got past hump day. Can you believe it? We made it to Thursday. Just one day until the weekend. I'm really excited for that. Oh, by the way, before I forget, tomorrow, around this time around 30 past the hour, actually, we're going to open the phone lines. And I want to know what your favorite Christmas movie is. Also, while we're at it, uh, maybe your favorite Christmas tradition. Maybe we'll ask those two questions. If you'd like to join us in that segment, you can call in. The number is the same number as our Fear and Trembling game show and as a spirit world. And so if you want to put that number in your speed dial, That would be a great idea. So I'm going to give you that number now. Don't call now because we won't take your call right now. But tomorrow we will. 877-757-9424. Write that number down because we would love to get your phone calls tomorrow at 630 Central, 730 Eastern um, to talk about your favorite Christmas movies and your favorite Christmas traditions. And I have a list here that I'm going to go through. So if you don't call in, I'm going to be forced to go through the list that I have in front of me here. But I would love to know what yours are. So this number, one last time, mark it in your, in your speed dial, 877-757-9424. Okay, on to other things. So there were a lot of things over the past couple weeks that I thought were very weird. They, these conservatives, and I put conservatives in like ginormous air quotes, are supporting things that are just bad. They're just not good. They're just, they're evil, really. And... You're thinking, okay, how on earth did we get here? How on earth did we get here? And it was really made very prevalent to me because a friend of mine, Riley, uh, posted on Twitter this little, I guess, recap of what we just saw across the conservative world the past couple weeks. And it, I was like, wow, yep, there we are, folks. And so she posted, there's nothing conservative about, one, supporting gay marriage, two, Worshipping and or allowing the worship of Satan. Three, surrogacy and contraception. Four, allowing abortions, even in the case of rape or incest. Five, immodest clothing. And six, Playboy-style calendars marketed to fathers. If you support these things, you are not a real conservative. Thank you very much, Riley. I mean, it's really is that, that simple, that straightforward. If the conservative movement is going to just embrace everything that's wrong with the culture, then what even is the point of being a conservative? Uh, This is why when people say, Adrian, are you a Republican? I'm like, no, no, I'm not a Republican. Like, oh, so you're a Democrat. No, definitely not a Democrat. Would never do that. Why? Because both of the parties support basically the same things. They're basically the same things. The Democrat Party is like maybe five, ten years ahead 
And then the Republican Party tends to be five or ten years behind them. But they're supporting the same things. And it's that's just wrong. Like, Can you name a politician who doesn't support gay marriage? I, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody who's actively campaigning against gay marriage. I know there are some that privately are against it. I know some that used to be outspoken against it. But most of them come out and they're like, well, okay, it's a settled issue now. And they move on. It's a very concerning situation whenever you have people do this. And so, yes, if you support gay marriage, if you allow the worship of Satan, if you are supportive of surrogacy, when I was driving to San Antonio, I saw two billboards marketing for women to become surrogates. I'm reaching out to a couple people to do an interview on surrogacy because people don't realize how bad surrogacy is. This is literal human trafficking. It's it's slavery. You're purchasing a human being. And all these conservatives across several platforms, whether it be the Daily Wire or others, come out congratulating these, these homosexuals who are paying for surrogates and purchasing children. And the big one was a couple of years, maybe a year ago, when Dave Rubin and his quote unquote husband, they purchased a woman's womb or rented it rather, and then purchased a couple children. I think they had two. And everybody came out congratulating him. Like, Congratulations to your new child. Now, two things to be said there. One, of course, the child is as a blessing from almighty God. The child itself did nothing wrong. The child itself is a human being with human dignity. The same thing if a child is conceived in rape or incest, if the child is conceived in surrogacy, the child itself did nothing wrong. The child itself deserves a father and mother. It deserves to be loved and deserves to be protected 100%. But that does not make the means in which the child is conceived good. Just like you would say, if a child was born out of rape, obviously the means in which the child is conceived is evil. It's the most clear act of evil that you could see. But the child itself is still a blessing from Almighty God. The child itself has an eternal soul. And that has to be made a distinction there. So I can say, Blessed be God that there's a human being there, that that child is alive. But also, I can also say in the same breath that surrogacy is wicked and evil. I think it's very important. And this is being accepted because we allowed the homosexual movement to just dominate the culture. And so because of that, we have all these conservatives, quote unquote, who are in fact homosexuals. We brought in the tent so wide that we have a ton of homosexuals in the conservative movement who want to have kids because we naturally, naturally as human beings, we have a natural dispensation to want to have children. It's a natural vocation to want to be married and have kids. Because of that, even the homosexuals who get in a relationship that is inherently sterile, it's impossible for them to have kids. They're saying, I want kids. And because they want it, and we have this capitalist mindset where we want to purchase anything we want. We should be able to get whatever we want. This libertinism 
that they go off and they do that. They go off and they purchase children. And so people are saying, but these are my friends. These are the people I listen to in podcasts. These are the people I listen to on the news. And so they have an attachment to these people, kind of like I've, which, what TV show was it way back when there was a, oh, I'm forgetting, maybe it was Friends, whenever they started cohabitating and they had, I think one of the characters had an abortion and people were like, well, you know, you understand because you have a relationship with those people. That's how they do it in a subversive manner. They, you grow a relationship with this person. Now you want to defend them if something bad, if they do something bad. The same thing with immodest clothing. What conservative is going to come out against immodest clothing? And we talked about the other day the Playboy style calendars that are marketed to fathers. The far right wing beer are, are making a calendar with bikini models. What's conservative about that? What? It just blows my mind that they don't see that they are, in fact, furthering the revolution. They are, in fact, doing everything the revolution wants. Every single aspect of the revolution, they are promoting it. We have to reject that. This is why we have to be Catholics. This is why it is not sufficient that we simply say, oh, I, there is a political victory. There is no political solution yes of course we should vote the best possible candidate yes we have to do what we can and gain the ground we can of course 100 percent, we do what we can with what we have available but the solution cannot be this the solution has to be the conversion of souls it has to be the triumph of the immaculate heart of mary that's it everything else will only take us a couple steps forward or maybe even just slow down the revolution. That's the best we could do politically. Uh, maybe we could make a couple victories. I was very encouraged by the situation in Kansas whenever they had um, elected a lot of Catholics into them being mayors and, and to the council and they were actually changing the laws. That's great. And this can happen at a local level. 100%. Let's do it. But the ultimate solution is evangelization the conversion of sinners, and the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Now, on to this story, kind of in the same vein, is Fauci says he identifies as Catholic, but claims he doesn't really need to practice the faith. You can't identify as Catholic. That's, like, that's not a thing. You either are Catholic or you're not Catholic. There's no identifying. It's not a box you check. It's a life, it's a life you live. If you are a practicing Catholic, it's because you are doing the things Catholics do. Obviously, if you fail, you mess up. That's why we call it practicing. You get up and you keep going. You try again. You go to confession. You repent of your sins and you keep going. Praise be to God. I know I mess up. I try to go to confession every single week uh, because I'm just that wretched of a sinner. So I'm not condemning anybody for messing up. But you have to be trying. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to be a cafeteria Catholic. You know, it's, it's really funny. I was thinking about this phrase, cafeteria Catholic, the other day. And I was thinking about the word heretic. Because the word heretic literally comes from the word meaning to choose, a chooser, one who chooses. And so whenever we kind of, and I used to say this in high school, it became a popular term. They used to use it when I went to the youth conferences, like, oh, don't be a cafeteria Catholic where you just choose, pick and choose what you want, going down the cafeteria aisle, adding things to your plate. Um, that's what a cafeteria Catholic is. And I was thinking, 
just I literally this weekend, I don't know what why I thought about it, but I was like, oh, you know, they were actually saying, don't be a heretic. Because by saying cafeteria Catholic and you're saying don't be a heretic Catholic because heretic is one who chooses. And I was like, that's that's kind of based. That's kind of I, I never thought about them saying that. I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. Because, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. We can't pick and choose. And Fauci is saying this is crazy what he said here. He said, first of all, I think my personal ethics in life are enough to keep me going on the right path. Mm. No, the answer is no, that's not true. That's not true. And people who think that religion is just supposed to be your ethics guide, then you don't understand what religion is. Religion is giving right worship to Almighty God. That's what it is. Everything else is secondary. This is why God said the first commandment is to love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is like unto it to love your neighbor as yourself. Those two commandments and on it hinges all the law and the prophets. Why? Because the virtue of religion is to give to God what he is owed. That's what the virtue of religion is. And you may say, okay, well, I love God. I, I said, I love God. Well, what does our Lord say? Our Lord says, if you love God, you will keep his commandments. So do you keep his commandments? Do you do what he says? And not just the moral commandments, the liturgical commandments, the commandments of the church. If you don't do it, well, according to our Lord, you don't love him. So let's love God today and let's love our neighbor today. How do we do so? Well, first and foremost, by keeping the commandments of Almighty God. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, talking about modesty, was men wearing skirts historical? We'll be right back with more right after this. This is Bishop Andrew Cousins, Chair of the National Eucharistic Revival, with this month's Eucharistic Moment. Pope Benedict wrote that a Eucharist which does not pass over into the concrete practice of love is intrinsically fragmented. When we receive our Lord, it should grow our love both for Him and for our neighbor. As our heart is conformed to Jesus' heart, our heart must also break for what breaks His heart. We see the needs of the poor, the marginalized, and broken-hearted, just as Christ did. We begin to stand up for the vulnerable and weak because love demands justice and justice requires mercy. We even learn to love our enemies. Does the Eucharist push you into concrete practices of love in your family, at work, and in your community? Can people tell you receive our Lord by the way you love? Jesus is given for us so that we might be given for him. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. 
U.S. agency takes the first step toward requiring new vehicles to prevent drunk or impaired driving. Oh, excuse me, that was from yesterday. <laughs> Actually, this headline is, Apple now requires court order to release customers' information to law enforcement. This is an update on a story from last week. Apple has quietly updated its policy, now requiring a judge's order to disclose information about customers' push notifications to law enforcement. This change brings Apple's approach in line with its competitor, Google, setting a higher bar for officials seeking app data on users. The updated policy, not formally announced but visible on Apple's publicly available law enforcement guidelines, follows Oregon Senator Ron Wyden and his revelation that officials were requesting such data. The senator expressed concerns about potential government surveillance facilitated by these practices. And the archbishop from Brazil, who was outspoken against the uh, Amazonian Synod, well, he's being asked to leave. Archbishop Guillaume Batista de Quatro, the apostolic nuncio in Brazil, has instructed Bishop Emeritus José Luis Azcona Hermoso to vacate the prelature of Marajo, where he served for nearly 30 years. Known for critiquing aspects of the 2019 Amazon Synod, he expressed, or rather opposed, the call for married men and women deacons, as well as uh, the creation of an Amazonian rite. Ascona emphasized the absence of Christ crucified in the Synod working document and criticized its secular vision. During the Synod, he defended priestly celibacy in the Amazon, calling for enculturation of the gospel instead. Uh, based? <laughs> Those are some of your headlines this morning. Thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Thank you very much, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, before we get going, Marie asked in our chat, she said, can you guys please send me a CDT bumper sticker or where can I get one? That's oh, a bumper great sticker. question. Well, we don't have CDT bumper stickers, but we do have GRN bumper stickers. If you want one of those, you can always uh, go on to grnonline.com and uh, get in contact with your local uh, station manager. They'll yep. be happy to send you one. You can even sure. go and visit the studio. I recommend that. Go visit your local studio and go talk to your general manager. They'd love to have you and get a bumper sticker. I think that's a great idea. And um, maybe we should make some bumper stickers. That would be kind of cool. Um, we we have some stickers. We should. Telegram stickers, yeah, so. we should. We should make some CDT stickers. I, I would if it wasn't. Well, well, that's coming to an end soon. Well, yeah. oh, actually, oh. never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Maybe maybe different stickers for for a different for a different show. Maybe foreshadowing. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about, Rudy. Okay, <laughs> on a different note. Okay, Rudy, do you do you remember a couple years ago? I think it would have been like 2020 when that. Sorry, that, I don't remember anything before the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're. I forgot 2020 was a pandemic. Uh, there was the guy. I think it was before the pandemic. Actually, maybe it was during. I don't remember. He was. Um, he was that singer who was wearing a dress and he was on the cover of Vogue and all this stuff. Um, the bald guy? No, no. He was like a famous singer. The British guy? Yeah, the British guy. Uh, Harry. Harry Styles. Okay. Um, when he started wearing a dress, that became like a huge thing. And people were up in arms against it. And then people were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's the big deal here? He's just trying to express himself. There's nothing inherently feminine about wearing his dress i know how embarrassing you know people didn't get it because he was wearing the same dress that the host was wearing ah, so and he awkward. really should not have been doing that i know crazy <laughs> yeah but the whole thing is it's very perverse 
and they started to try to push this narrative and they started you started seeing um there was this other the singer rapper who was a homosexual and little nas x and he wore a dress and when a famous picture that went around and he started seeing this more and more and more and then you think about what happened earlier before the modern era and you mm-hmm. would see men in dresses but it was usually in comedies because they were making fun of the idea. Because you see the discontinuity. You see a man in a dress. You're like, LOL, that's hilarious. And that's kind of the thing. You Or you would see like Tom and Jerry. You see Tom get running through a clothing store. And he comes out in a dress. And it's played for laughs. Or you see Bugs Bunny. And he's like uh, disguising himself as a, as a woman. And people are like, uh, oh, that's hilarious. And now they're trying to make it serious. Trying to make it a, a real thing. And the reason why I bring it up is because I saw this article, which was a continuation. You might remember maybe three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, I read an article on pants, on women wearing pants. And at the end of the article, it left on a cliffhanger. She was setting up this Jacinta Boudreaux, I think is her parents' name. I could be wrong. She uh, set it up at the very end. She was like, but what about the Chesterton quote about men wearing robes? And having and that being very feminine, hmm, is women is men wearing skirts historical or homosexual? And so that's what she kind of left it on a cliffhanger. And this is the follow up to that article. So she says, first, it does not even understand what authentic masculinity is. Now I'm skipping ahead because she kind of sets it up by talking about the Harry Styles thing. And she says it promotes godless practices in the name of freedom. And tries to punish men who dare to live as strong Christian men, calling them homophobic, bigots, sexist, rapist, and haters. That is kind of weird. You know, I whenever I was talking about um, feminism one time, I was so being recalled a wife beater, and I was like, I'm not married, so I can't, <laughs> I can physically beat my wife because I don't have one. Um, not to mention that I obviously would never do that, but that's what people will call you. As soon as you start talking about these kind of topics, they start labeling things at you. And it's sure enough, that's what she's talking about here. And they're trying to push this idea that men or women should be, uh, men should be like women because they don't want masculine men. So she goes on and says, secondly, the secular society is extraordinarily immoral. Pedophiles are not being called just another sexual preference. They're calling them maps. Um, they're, I think they call minor attracted peoples instead of pedophiles. That's what they want to call them. Peak femininity is pro baby murder, gender queer, witchy feminist. The society embraces men who believe that they are women and women who believe they are men. It claims there are 112 plus genders and children should be raised gender neutral. It celebrates convicted pedophiles in dresses and an obscene amount of makeup reading perverse filth to children in libraries. Talking about drag queens. And perhaps the most egregious of all, the society literally worships abortion thirdly secular society wants men without chest that's obviously a c.s lewis quote from abolition of man it wants men without wits muscles spiritual or physical strength to provide and protect their wives and children men without guns without a solid and steady faith life moral or backbone without leadership and a steady job a man wearing a dress is considered great because it signifies the freedom of men to become more and more emasculated more in touch with their homosexual spirit, more open to letting the moral fabric of society fall into decay and insanity. Strong moral men keep society healthy, and a healthy society is less likely to follow whatever debauchery Satan and his elite are trying to push. 
The whole idea of men in dresses, men cross-dressing rather, is beautiful, masculine, and in tune with history. It's coming from a society that is so corrupt and twisted that it holds murdering an innocent human baby as the highest form of currency, power, freedom, and religion. A society where women dressing and acting like men is the norm has been for decades. A society where sexually perverse men and women and children parade their depravity everywhere. They go with no backlash from the majority of the members of the Holy Catholic Church. A society where one can do and say anything as long as it is immoral and blasphemes God and the natural order. How true is that? They want to ban the bio from schools, but they get up in arms when you try to ban sexual content from the schools. Very interesting, right? He goes on, can we really, along with the creeps, that it's normal for men to dress like women and for women to dress like men? Considering how morally bankrupt the promoters of these practices are, I think it's safe to assume, along with the one true Catholic church, that it is not normal for either sexes to dress and act like the other. St. Ambrose writes, if you consider it truly, there is an incongruity that nature itself abhors for why, man, do you not want to appear what you were born as? What? Why do you put on a strange guise? Why do you ape a woman? Or why do you, woman, ape a man? Nature arrays each sex with its own garments. Men and women have different customs, different complexions, gestures, and gaits, different sorts of strengths, different voices. So he says, what about Chesterton's quote? But when men wish to be safely impressive as judges, priests, or kings, they do wear skirts, the long trailing robes of female dignity. Now she goes on to talk about this, and she says, clearly, the robes are not skirts. They're not dresses. And they're never perceived that way either. No one treats it that way. But what do people do? They mock it. And I experienced this too. Whenever I was a novice for the Dominicans, people would make fun of the pictures of me and, and, the, and the habit. They were saying, oh, you're wearing a dress. And that's clearly not the case. Because the robe or the habit or the tunic, these are not feminine clothing. They may appear that way to our perverted minds of the 21st century, but those are not what those things are. And she quotes Tolkien here and says, the shadow can only mock, it cannot make, talking about the fact that that's what they do. They can't say anything good, so they just denigrate what you have. We'll finish up this article on the other side of this break. When we come back, more Catholic drive time right after this. I want to read to you the quote she ends with from Pius XII. Absolutely mind-blowing. All this and more right after this. Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the Church for evangelism today. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the Ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. The Guadalupe Radio Network has a position open for an event coordinator. This position will be located in San Antonio, Texas. The GRN event coordinator has the goal to organize unforgettable events that are in line with the mission of the Guadalupe Radio Network's efforts of evangelization. This is a wonderful opportunity to join an apostolate dedicated to the highest level of professionalism, competence, ethics, and Catholic values. 
we are dedicated to spreading the knowledge, love, and practice of the Catholic faith by means of radio. The GRN offers a competitive salary and an amazing benefits package. If you are an active, faithful Catholic and would like to explore a career with the Guadalupe Radio Network, submit your resume and a cover letter as to why you want to come work for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Send to careers at grnonline.com. Again, that's careers at grnonline.com. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you. I wanted to wrap up the conversation that we were having about men wearing dresses. It's the TLDR that too long didn't read is men shouldn't wear dresses. All right. It's, it's pretty much that simple. Uh, but for if some reason you needed to get more explanation for that, because we kind of live in a very strange society. Well, here is this article. And I want to finish up the, with a quote from Pius X and a quote from Pius Twelfth. She writes here, Catholics must try to survive this evil by living out the teachings of the one true church. Men live and dress like men and women live and dress like women. As Pope St. Pius X said, let the storm rage and the sky darken. Not for that shall we be dismayed, for we trust as we should in Mary. We shall recognize in her the virgin most powerful who with the virginal foot did crush the head of the serpent. And she says, I leave you with the stirring words of Pius XII. The condition of things today is what it is. You are not able to change it. However regrettable it may be, one is uselessly lost in more in mere lamentations. As it has its dangers, one must take thought for defense against them and for victory over them. You have to make your way along the streets of the city. You have to make your own defense of the bulwark and the arms of your own virtue. And you'll be able to serve this purpose even by your consistent determination. Your sincere speech, your deportment on the street, in the public places of gathering in stores, factories, offices, universities, or libraries, one word, and if you find it necessary, a sharp word, will silence any impertinence. Oh yes, your eyes will see moral ugliness unwillingly, or will see it, and they will not be dazzled or injured, yet they must be taught to repress and mortify curiosity, which is the subtle accomplice of the seduction of the world. Temptation that entices or mocks will seem like a storm whim whistling in your ears. Your need then is to pass by without listening or attending, without a word or look. But though you are surrounded by wind and dust and mud, do not become sad or discouraged. So thank you very much to Pope Pius Twelfth, who very clearly understood the crisis in the church and he recognized we have to keep custody of the eyes and I think about the words of Professor Plinio, who said, whatever is not explicitly rejected is implicitly accepted. So we have to reject and not see those ugly things and listen to ugly music. I think those things are terrible and we should keep them away. Uh, but speaking of Professor Plinio, Professor Plinio is a founder of America Needs Fatima, the, the organization, uh, daughter organization or sister organization of the TFP, the American Society for Defense of Tradition, Family, Property. His birthday was actually yesterday, so happy birthday to him. Uh, well, he, he died already a few years ago, but he was uh, – there was a talk that was given by Mr. Rec Teodosio, who is a member of America Needs Fatima, and he was uh, talking about – the five first Saturdays, and he's talking about the miraculous pilgrim statue of Our Lady that cried in New Orleans, and that they carry around this replica of it 
all across America. And I want to share this with you because it really stirred my heart. And I want to, and I think it will stir your heart as well. And so what he has, that's just a little setup before we launch this. What he says here is that this statue was brought to this woman. And when he brought this to this woman, he, they just fall in love with this image, the sacred image, they call it. And whenever they see the sacred image, it just elevates your soul because it's, it looks like it's almost alive, how well it's painted. And it was painted and created under the direction of Sister Lucia herself and was said by Sister Lucia to be the most accurate image of what she saw at Our Lady of Fatima. And this is what Mr. Rex had to say about it. A lady was dying of cancer. One of her last requests was to see the Pilgrim Virgin statue that visited her some years back. We were doing a, a tour of talks in another part of the country, so it would take six months before we arrived in her city. Uh, during that time, the family kept calling our office to insist that we visit her. Uh, meanwhile, she wasted away so badly that her family was afraid that she would die before the statue would visit. So they decided to pull all their money together and go around Chicago looking for the best statue for Lady Fatima they could find and then bring it to her. So they found the best one that they could find that money could buy in all of Chicago. And then they took it to her and said, oh, look, Francesca, our Lady Fatima has come to visit you. She tapped her hands and said, thank you, but if you don't mind, I'll wait for the other one. <laughs> our Lady of Fatima hit the sacred image and touched her in a way, in a mysterious way, that the last thing that, that was on her list was to see the Pilgrim Virgin statue, and she insisted that it be the same one that had visited her, visited her, and she wanted to pray a last rosary together with all of her family. So finally, we arrived in her city. It was a full schedule. It would take several days before we could find a time to see her. We arrived at our morning appointment, and surprisingly, the whole family had fallen ill overnight. It was very bad. They didn't even, even want to open the door for me. We called the second appointment, and strangely, they also had fallen ill with the same stomach flu. So it was then that we called the family to see if, she, if they still wanted the pilgrim statue to visit. They said, yes, come right away. So all the relatives took off, left work. All the children were pulled out of school, just so the whole family could be there for this event. Uh, they explained to me that three days ago, Francesca had flatlined in the hospital three times. And after the third time, they said that they would not resuscitate her again if she flatlined again. So they took her home so the family could be her in her last moments. Um, she was literally in her deathbed. I placed the, the pilgrim statue where she could see her easily. Uh, she was literally skin and bones at this point. So she called me over and grabbed me in the hand and said, thank you, I knew she would come. You don't know how happy this makes me. They prayed the rosary together as a family. The whole time, the dying woman looked at Our Lady's eyes, um, and then the next day, she died. It was a beautiful death. It was not one of bitterness or of doubting God's goodness, like some people do. It was one with a childlike trust in God. This is an example of how this specific representation of Our Lady, and not just any Fatima statue, moves people deeply and mysteriously. Permit me to slip into my Fatima visit mode uh, so you can judge for yourself if this is effective or not. And let me begin by asking how many of you have done the Five First Saturdays devotion, if you could raise your hands. Um, unsurprisingly, it's the majority. It's a simple devotion to fulfill, and the promise attached to it is, uh, is unbelievable. So to fulfill it, on the first Saturday of five consecutive months, you need to go to confession, receive communion, pray five decades of the rosary, and spend 15 minutes meditating on the mysteries of the rosary, keeping Mary company, and then offering all those four things as an act of reparation to the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart. 
If you do that, Our Lady promises to be at your side at the time of your death with the necessary graces for your salvation. It doesn't matter how you will die, she will be there with whatever you need for you to save yourself. In an anecdote told to a custodian, this was put to the test a few years back. A lady complained to a friend that her husband had died in a horrible car accident of a week, a previous week, in the previous week, and he was in a state of mortal sin, even though he did the fight for Saturday's devotion. She, did, she didn't understand why Our Lady permitted this, um, this part of the promise. So the friend asked her, how do you know she was in, he was in a state of mortal sin? And she said, I know what he did that morning. Uh, he never had time to go to confession. How do you know he did the fight for Saturday's devotion? Well, they did it together several times. So the friend told her, look, I know you're grieving. I know we don't like to think that our loved ones are burning in hell because they died in a state of mortal sin, but I guarantee you, Our Lady must have done something. I just don't know how to prove it to you. She didn't like that answer. She left that conversation very dissatisfied. But two weeks after that presentation, a man comes knocking at that woman's door. She answers to the man asks, are you Mrs. Hernandez, the wife of George Hernandez who died in a car accident three weeks ago? She said, yes, what is this about? The man responded, ma'am, my name is Father Chavez and I've been looking for you for three weeks. Three weeks ago in the morning, your husband's, husband's accident, I was in a car right behind him. It was a bad one, the car flipped upside down. So I rushed forward to see if I could help. I crawled into his car and saw he was bleeding to death. He had moments to live, so I called his attention. Sir, I am a Catholic priest. Do you want confession? He said yes. I heard his confession right there and then, had, had enough time to give him absolution before the EMT arrived, took him away, and he died on the way to the hospital. The, the priest says, uh, said, Ma'am, I've been looking for you for three weeks because the hospital refused to give your information. I had to do my own research to find you because I sensed that you would receive great consolation knowing that your husband died with the sacraments of the church. And she fell down weeping because she doubted Our Lady's promise, but proof came to her three weeks later uh, that Our Lady did bring whatever George needed for him to save himself. This is how incredible this devotion is. You only have to do one set of five for Saturdays to obtain the promise, and it's good for a lifetime. But, however, Our Lord and Our Lady wants us to do it continuously. Not just once for the promise, to obtain the promise, but as an act of devotion. So we call this devotion erroneously as the Five for Saturday's devotion. Our Lady actually called it differently. She called it the communion of reparation. It is an act of reparation to the sins committed against her immaculate heart. Um, and of the five sins that are committed against her, the most injurious to the heart of the mother is the sin of indifference. Find the answers in Fatima, specifically in the conversions of St. Francisco and Jacinta. The two were transformed by the Immaculate Heart into great saints. Our Lady asked Jacinta at one point to, uh, to, to stay on earth to suffer more for the conversion of sinners. She consented. Uh, she fell gravely ill to the influenza and the doctors decided to do an operation on her that would, they would cut her and remove her rib bones to give her room to breathe. They didn't give her anesthesia for the operation. As they cut her and removed their bones, the doctors and the nurses heard this nine-year-old girl say over and over again, through her pain and through her tears, that, quote, Jesus, for love of you, for the conversion of sinners, I offer you this sacrifice. Francisco spent his days praying the rosary on his knees with his arms in the form of the cross. On his deathbed, Lucia asked the 10-year-old cousin not to forget her when he arrives at the throne of the Sacred Heart. He looked away to think about that and to reflect on it. And when he looked back, he said, I cannot promise you that. When I'm in front of Jesus, I'm afraid I will forget about everybody. <laughs> he said this because he was entirely focused on offering acts of reparation to the Sacred Heart Jesus. It took great saints like St. Saint Teresa of Avila a whole lifetime to reach, reach this level of mysticism. Our Lady transformed them in months. Dr. Plinio considered this transformation one of the most notable events of Fatima, of the Fatima apparitions. He suspected that the grace the two received was something in the line of the Grand Return. In a sense, they were transformed um, into actual counter-revolutionaries. 
the community thought that there was something in their transformation that reveals part of how Our Lady Fatima will convert the whole world. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much to Mr. Rex for allowing me to play that little clip for you. I am I I just love that story. It was a 40 minute talk and that was just a section of it. And I cannot I mean, oh, my goodness. It just stirred my heart to think about the children of Fatima and their love for Our Lady and living this communion of reparation lifestyle. And you think about the fact I'd love the connection there with Teresa of Avila. Our Lady is the fastest, most sure, most perfect manner in which you can grow in holiness. Devotion to her. These little children being catechized by the Blessed Virgin exceeded in holiness so many saints, so many people in just a short amount of time. You remember when the kids started, they started off not wanting to even pray the rosary. They were saying, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, instead of doing the whole Hail Mary because they, they wanted to go play. And by the time Our Lady was done catechizing them, they understood reality. They understood that souls are going to hell. And Our Lady desired to save souls. And the most important thing that I think here is the faithfulness of the Blessed Virgin. How faithful she is. And this is why I continue to hammer the point, and you hear me say it over and over again, uh, calm, courage, and confidence. We have to be calm amidst the t- storm. We have to have courage to face the battle head on and confidence in the victory of Our Lady. Confidence that Our Lady will be there and will answer her prayers because it never was it known that she do not keep her promises. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today, right after this. The St. John Leadership Network presents Glance at the Gospel with Father Nathan Cromley. This Sunday is the third Sunday of Advent, Gaudete Sunday, a day when the church is bedecked in the color of rose because it's a day of joy. It's a day when, in the Gospel, we read John the Baptist saying, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert, Make straight the way of the Lord. This is an incredible line, right? Because he's quoting Isaiah saying that. But I've spent a lot of time in deserts and it's not a place where you cry out. If you cry out in the desert, no one will hear you. There's no one there. So why would he cry out in the desert except to express that even if no one hears, the word of God compels him to bear witness to the truth. In the same way in our lives, the church cries out constantly, make straight your ways, stop sinning, don't do bad things. Even if no one hears, we continue to proclaim the truth about God and about the way that we should live. Today, let's not be like a desert when we hear John the Baptist crying out. Let's instead hear the passion of his voice and convert our lives. Where does God want us to change? Where are the roads that he wants to walk on in our lives full of curves and difficult to pass through? What does he want us to get rid of or offer up so that he can make our lives the instrument they're supposed to be? Today's a day where we get to dream. Just like John the Baptist was out in the wilderness living for God with absolute freedom, not caring what other people think, he let his heart run in the ways of holiness. What is God calling us to do? What are the great things we could dare? What does our family look like in the eyes of God? May John the Baptist set us free to follow Christ. 
For more information, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org. a great opportunity to talk about Our Lady of Fatima, the miraculous pilgrim statue, and those replicas. If you've ever wanted to see that pilgrim statue, now, okay, it's a little difficult to see the miraculous pilgrim statue because that one is the one that travels around the world, and so it comes to the U.S. pretty frequently because there's a lot of requests for her to come in to the United States, so you can see her, uh, just, you have to reach out to, I think at the Blue Army is who is the custodians of the miraculous pilgrim statue. But the American Needs Fatima organization, they have exact replicas of the miraculous pilgrim statue. So when you see their statue, when you invite them over, then uh, you will see the image almost exactly the way it is. I mean, honestly, I can't tell the difference between the two. So I highly recommend, if you've never had a Fatima visit, even if you already know about the Fatima message, you should reach out to American Needs Fatima and ask them to uh, to do a Fatima visit where they will come. They'll bring the miraculous pilgrim statue. You'll sing some hymns. You will pray the rosary, uh, get a catechesis on the message of Fatima, and maybe some basic Catholic catechesis if you or your family may not be practicing Catholics. If you have family, um, they go to often. They what the, a lot of moms will do. A lot of moms and grandmas will do what they'll do. So here's a pro tip. They'll reach out to American Eats Fatima and they'll invite the whole family over. Be like, oh, let's come over. We're going to cook some food. We have a special visitor coming. And then people will come. And then Our Lady of Fatima shows up. And he's like, this is the special visitor. Where's where we're having the whole thing for? And then they're all trapped. And they have to hear the message of Fatima. They have to hear a catechesis on the faith. And they have to pray the rosary and sing songs to Our Lady and the stories in regards to conversions, it is almost miraculous of how many conversions and how many stirred hearts there have been in regards to uh, the American East Fatima home visits, the Fatima home visits. So if that's interesting to you, I would reach out to American East Fatima and see if they can schedule a Fatima home visit um, to, to your house, to your family, to your parish. Um, but... Um, I think that's great. So praise be to God. And thank you to Professor Plinio, whose birthday was yesterday, uh, for founding the TFP. Very grateful for that to have, uh, to that, for, that to, for them to exist today. We need them very much so in our current era. But you know who else we'd really need? We need our dear friend, Alan Smith. And the good news is that he's joining us. So joining us right now is Alan Smith from Bishop Sheen today. Good morning to you, Alan Smith. And good morning, Adrian. Uh, great to be here this morning. Uh, I, I love the last segment, uh, talking about the first, uh, you know, five first Saturdays and how important it is to, uh, take up these devotions. And, and again, I think that's what's missing in society. We've kind of lost our way. We've lost this holy practice of doing the first, uh, Saturdays, first Friday devotions, the holy hour. These are all things that, we're part of society, yet for whatever reason, we look at ourselves today and say, why am I not doing that? Why am I not doing the first Saturdays? 
the holy hour, all of these things. So, uh, again, Fulton Sheen reminds us uh, about these devotions, devotions to Our Lady and devotions to the holy hour. So uh, uh, we'll talk a little bit today about the holy hour. And uh, Fulton Sheen, of course, has a lot of experience with the holy hour in that he made a promise when he was a seminarian uh, to make the hour each day, and he kept that promise faithfully for 62 years. So he is a holy and shining example of how to make a holy hour and why to make a holy hour. Now, Alan, tell me if I'm wrong here. Fulton Sheen died making his holy hour. Is that correct? Uh, they found him in his chapel, uh, in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So we have to put, uh, the, you know, this, the facts together and say, yes, he died in, uh, in front of our Lord, uh, making, uh, probably one of his many holy hours a day. Uh, but still he died where he wanted to be with, uh, again, our Blessed Lord. So, uh, again, uh, difficult to find him there, but, uh, again, he was where he should be and where he wanted to be. Amen. And that was in the presence of the Lord. What a grace. What a grace. And I love what you said there, in the presence of the Lord. And I think that's important because we've been talking for the past, I don't know, four weeks with you, five weeks with you about being a man, about being the father God wants you to be. And and taking Fulton Sheen as our guide for that. Now, you were telling me, okay, what one element that is missing in a lot of men's lives is devotion to the Holy Eucharist is having this adoration, this adoration every single day. And so, Alan, why on earth should a man take time out of his day to submit himself to something greater than himself? Uh, Why would he do that? Shouldn't he be the macho man, be the number one in the house? Well, I think he has to uh, live up to what his calling is. Uh, A father sometimes doesn't realize that he's responsible to get his spouse and his children to heaven. Uh, it's his charge. It's his duty. And I think that's what's missing is people forget, you know, what am I responsible for? Uh, but the father is responsible. And so he has to take up his call. Uh, Fulton Sheen gives uh, a very good um, uh, suggestion to us and because they asked him to, why should I even spend time in prayer? Why the holy hour? And he says, Because we are living on the surface of our souls, knowing little either of God or inner self, our knowledge is mostly about things, not about destiny. And that is so true. Um, We're just scratching the surface. We're afraid to look into things that are divine uh, because God might ask us to change our life. And I think that's a scary thing for many people. Uh, but still, it's this holy duty that we have, especially as fathers, to lead by example. Uh, I've been blessed in that my dad went to Holy Mass every morning. We saw him wake up early and go to Mass at 7 o'clock. We knew he was spending time in prayer. And I tried to do the same thing when my children were young. I would head off to Mass in the morning. They'd see Dad praying. And so these holy examples, children are watching. People are watching. Uh, but again, there's that beautiful benefit of actually participating in the holy hour and the graces that come from it. You know, Alan, uh, man, I love talking about this particular segment. We've been talking about fatherhood for a couple weeks now. And, you know, I speak from experience when I say that I've agonized about this, this very aspect. You know, as I've uh, become a father, I'm a young father, uh, I realize that, uh, 
you know, our kids are always paying attention to what we're doing. And so there's, uh, there seems to be like the weight of the world on, on me sometimes to say, like, I need to be on the right way all the time. I need to be on all the time. And, and there's a part of me that says that, uh, I know I have to go and do this. I know I have to go. This is my duty. I have to pray for my family. I have that responsibility to bring them into heaven. Uh, but there's still a little bit of, uh, it's like a disconnect there, you know, of, uh, of, man, I know I should do it, but I kind of don't feel like it. <laughs> what would you say to somebody who is experiencing that? Well, I think it's this challenge of divine friendship. Um, this is the thing that's so crazy. We talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, do we even want that relationship? And, but many of us say, yes, I want, I want this. I want to have Jesus in my life. I do want, I want to go to heaven. I think we all desire that. But do we want to spend time to develop the relationship? And, and that's the beauty of the holy hour. You get to spend time with our Lord. He's there. And I think we're a friend, we're afraid to become friends with Jesus because again, as I said earlier, he's going to ask us to make a change. And uh, yet, uh, when we find a new buddy, a new friend, we want to hang out with that friend. And, uh, but do we feel the same way towards Jesus? We have this opportunity. Uh, he's present in every church, uh, in the tabernacle that we can go spend time with him. So it's that whole thing, is Jesus my friend? And do I want to develop that friendship? Um, sometimes it's difficult ask to uh, say to men, spend some time with Jesus, your friend. Uh, they have to develop that friendship. But I don't know if I'm making sense there. But um, uh, <laughs> No, again, I, it, I think it makes a lot of sense, Alan. And, you know, I was thinking about what Rudy had to say. And I, I, I get, I mean, I, I feel the same way. Many days, I know I can make it to Mass, I know I can go to adoration, but I'm like, ah, but I can find an excuse not to. I can, I can find, <laughs> there is always something that I could also be doing. Or I could um, scroll through social media instead. Um, but I, sometimes I, I just don't. I just don't do it. And you know, I think one of the elements that's a little scary is we don't always know how to do a holy hour. So how does one make a holy hour? You just sit there in silence for an hour? How, how do you do that? Well, this is what um, Fultachim said so many times. It's just go there, <laughs> be there. Um, it's like uh, he gives an analogy of uh, the holy hour is like taking uh, a patient who has tuberculosis and sitting that patient in fresh air, putting them out in the sun. And this is what can uh, happen to many souls is we just are in the presence of the divine physician and he uh, shines upon us. I think we always think of that prayer, Lord, show us thy face. Lord, let your face shine upon us. Um, again, when we're present uh, with our Eucharistic Lord, he is there. We're seeing him face to face. Yes, he's veiled, uh, hidden uh, in that beautiful white host, but he's there. But it's that idea of just being there. Now, Fulton Sheen would say, um, he would give advice to say, become a good listener. Uh, we sometimes like to do all the talking. Sure. We'll say, Lord, I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that, I got this. But the beauty is just listening, taking a few moments to be quiet and listen to the Lord. Uh, it's a scary proposition 
but a beautiful one if you practice it. So, uh, again, sit and listen. And uh, that's the first thing I say is come and be present. And if you listen to the Lord, he will speak to you. Alan, I get what you're saying. I understand perfectly what you're saying. But how do you differentiate between your own thoughts and what some might perceive the Lord is saying to you in, in, in prayer? How do you discern that? Yeah. Well, you can um, I kind of take advantage of a situation of bringing good spiritual reading, your Bible. Uh, one of the suggestions that Fulton Sheen makes is to uh, be in the presence of the Lord, open your Bible, read for a little bit, and then once you come upon, upon a passage that uh, speaks to your heart, close your Bible, and then meditate on that. So you're meditating on the Holy Word of God or the writings of a saint. And so uh, bringing good tools uh, to uh, the holy hour. Um, again, sometimes you just bring your own thoughts Again, as you said, are they your thoughts? What are they? Are they holy thoughts? You know, uh, but bringing a good book is very important. Uh, gives you uh, good food for the journey, I like to say. Um, again, that's just a little tip that Fulton Sheen gives us in making a good holy hour that the time will be well spent. And uh, many people say that when the hour is coming to an end, they feel like their hearts were burning within them, just like on the road to Emmaus, uh, and they don't want to leave. So uh, hopefully that'll be your experience as you, uh, you know, journey to make ho your holy hours this week. And and I stress to people, you know, we think about giving pr Christmas presents, and what a great Christmas present a father can give to Jesus and say, I'm going to make a holy hour. I'm going to give a holy example to my children. Uh, again, this is the gift we can give to the baby Jesus, is our presence uh, with him. And uh, just a thought, just a thought. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I think that's exactly right. And I'm thinking of, okay, well, on a purely practical level, how to do a holy hour. And I'm going to be honest, I am not very holy. And so it's very difficult to get through a whole hour. So what I do... And if someone else has a different way of doing it, there's not a right or wrong way to do this. This is just what I do. The first thing I do is I'll kill the first 15 minutes by praying the rosary. Okay. Okay. I'm down to 45 minutes now. 45 minutes left to go. All right. After I'm done with the rosary, I spend maybe five minutes in silence just thinking about the rosary, thinking about what I just prayed. And then from there, I'll pick up a book and I'll read maybe a few pages, probably more like 10, really it should be less, but I read like 10 pages. And then from there, I'll focus in on different aspects of it and I will start to try to meditate for, that gets me through another maybe 20, 30 minutes. And then I try to get the rest, the last bit of it, and I try to get that to be complete silence, just trying to hear the voice of God. And that's the way I do it. But that's uh, take it or leave it if you're to your end. Now, Alan, we're about to leave. So tell me, where, what's the book and where can we get it? Uh, there's two books I would recommend. The Holy Hour Prayer Book. Uh, Fulton Sheen wrote it in the 1940s. A uh, great book. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, great uh, companion to bring into with you to the Holy Hour. And of course, the priest is not his own. Uh, great manual for all fathers. And so, uh, again, available on Amazon. And, Check it uh, out. Bishop Sheen Today. BishopSheenToday.com. BishopSheenToday.com. Check it out. Thank you. God bless you, Alan. God love you. And that's going to do it. Call now. We're playing our Fear and Trembling game show, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Wyatt Goolsby, Executive Director for the Guadalupe Radio Network Station here in Houston. I am pleased to announce that we have an opening for a general manager to work in the Houston studio with me and the team. This is a wonderful opportunity to join an apostolate striving for the highest level of professionalism, competence, ethics, and Catholic values. GRN is dedicated to spreading the knowledge, love, and practice of the Catholic faith by means of radio. The GRN offers a competitive salary and benefits package. If you are an active and faithful Catholic and want to explore a career with the Guadalupe Radio Network, you can submit your resume and a cover letter describing why you want to come to work for the GRN at careers at grnonline.com. That's careers at grnonline.com. Thank you and God bless. You've heard it said, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. So instead of letting your unused vehicle sit idle one more day, why not donate it to the Guadalupe Radio Network? Just call 1-866-628-2277 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate Now. That's 1-866-628-2277 or come by grnonline.com and click Donate Now. Later model cars or trucks are greatly appreciated. Seize the day by calling 1-866-2277. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling. And I got to let you know, this is going to be one of the last opportunities to call in for the Fear and Trembling game show ever, ever. 877-757-9424. Foreshadowing? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe a little bit foreshadowing. I don't know. Did you mean that? Did mean mean what? I didn't say anything. Were you talking... Anyway, so what are you listening to? What is going on right now? I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. And the trick is, I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. Rudy's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what can they win? Praise be to God. This week we are giving away another replica of the divine coffee cup of divine providence. Excuse Nailed me. It. <laughs> it's the coffee cup. It's exerting its influence on me. Um, we're going to give away a replica of the coffee cup of divine providence. The one that has been the star of the fear and trembling game show for years. And unfortunately, is uh, going away. <clears throat> anyway, uh, we are giving away a replica of the original cup. We're going to be signing it by yours truly and Adrian Fonseca. If you want Tim to sign it, you can get get his signature as well. And this is going to be a collector's item because you're not going to be able to get this anymore. What? <laughs> Foreshadowing? Foreshadowing? Well, there you go. That number, 877-757-9424. One of the last opportunities. If you don't get on today... Make sure you put us on speed dial because we would love to have you call in tomorrow because tomorrow is the day we pull out the name. And so if you want opportunities to win that number, put in your speed dial 
757-9424. We'd love to have you. Now, I like Rudy said, foreshadowing, there is, in fact, a day coming very soon where the coffee cup of divine providence will not be given away anymore. As our Lord once said, the hour is coming, dot, dot, dot. And then I'm just going to take that part and say, when? <laughs> <laughs> you won't be able to get the coffee cup of divine providence. Oh, man. That's good stuff <laughs> right there. I'm cafeteering that little scripture right there. Yeah. Just that part. I love it when people do that. They just take a piece of scripture completely out of context and apply it to something totally different. Amazing. We love it. All right. Joining us right now is Pamela. Good morning to you, Pamela. Good morning. Pamela, where are you calling in from? San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, I was just in San Antonio this last weekend. It was really nice. Uh, Where in San Antonio do you live in, Pamela? Floresville. And what part of San Antonio is that? North, south, east, west, central? South. South. Okay. So you're down down, down in the bottom of San Antonio. I was all the way in the north side. I was visiting uh, Sanctus Ranch. They had an awesome Advent uh, display. I think they're still doing it this weekend. If you uh, didn't yeah. go, Last I weekend. highly recommend going, if, especially if you have kids. Whew, that is pretty awesome. Now, Pamela, where are you off to this morning? Off to work. Off to work. And what's work? Do you are you a, uh, let me guess... Uh, rocket scientist? No. No. Um, a open heart surgeon? No. Okay. Astrophysicist? No. I'm out of guesses. A rocket surgeon? A rocket surgeon? <laughs> no. They uh, get the scalpel out on the, on the rocket? I'm out of guesses, Pamela. Uh, tell us, what, what do you do for a living? I do home health care for uh, uh, Synergy Home Health Care. Oh. I do, I'm a CNA. Well, praise be to God. Praise be to God. We love home health care. Take care of our veterans and our elderly people. Hey, praise be to God. God. Thank you very much for the work you do. I'm sure they appreciate it as well. Now, Pamela, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how to play? Yes, sir. Perfect. So you know Rudy can be tricky. You got to keep your ears tuned to Rudy's trickiness. So let's jump in. Are you ready to jump into it? Yes, sir. All right, Rudy. Question number one for you. The question on the board is, what is the obstinate refusal to accept the infallible teaching of the church? That is a theological term. It was coined by Pope Pius IX. Oh, wow. It's called Fauchism. Fauchism. Fauchism is uh, something that he spoke out against in his document. Uh, don't ask me to pronounce it in Latin. <laughs> you know, it's just too complicated to say. But if Fauchism is what he wrote about. Okay. Okay. Blessed Pope Pius IX. That's right. Okay. All right. On his on, way to the canonization his, process. On his way on the canonization process. Amen. Amen. I love Blessed Pius IX. He, He's should, pretty base. He is pretty awesome. He was, uh, he lived a, uh, he was like a modernist pope and then he converted during the papacy. <laughs> Unreal. That's pretty wild. It's a really cool story. Uh, maybe we'll tell it another day. All right, Pamela, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what is the obstinate refusal to accept the infallible teaching of the church? Rudy says, well, according to blessed Pius IX, he declared it in one of the church documents that it is Fauchism. Uh, what say you, Pamela from San Antonio, Texas? I'm going to say he wrong. You're going to go with wrong. All right. Let's see. Survey says 
That is correct, Pamela. Yes, Rudy is wrong. It's not Fauchism, though. <laughs> I I think I see what he's getting at there. I think I see what he's putting down. <laughs> All right. I see what you did there. Good one, Rudy. No, the correct answer is heresy, though I could get understand why you get that confused with Fauchism. Um, all right, Pamela, praise be to God. You did amazing. You're one for 100% success rate so far. Are you ready for question number two? Yes. All right, let's do it. Question number two, Rudy. The question on the board is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. according to Holy Writ, what happened to the temple curtain when Jesus died on the cross? Well, being a scriptural uh, expert. Oh, really? Thanks to the commentaries of Hadock. Well, I did see Cornelius Alapide. The quote from the scripture you used earlier, and you used that exactly the verbatim. I had it committed to memory. What happened was they were rent in two. They were rent into where? Like an apartment? <laughs> uh, oh, oh, rent like like torn. They were torn oh, okay. thunder. Uh, I get it now. I get it. I was like. How many did they rent? Why did they rent two? And why not three? <laughs> and there's actually some symbology behind this. There's really kind of cool symbolism here, actually. That temple, there was two curtains, right? There was mm-hmm. one that the the uh, the Holy of Holies, you know, right. that's, that they would go in there one time out of the year. Mm-hmm. That one was ripped from the top to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then the outer curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom, too. That's what tradition says. Now, the reason this is is because... It says here, according to uh, Hadoc, it signified that the ceremonies of the ancient law were to be abolished by the law of Christ, and that heaven should also be open to all. Well, there you Everybody go. He has folks. the opportunity now. There you go. All right, Pamela, did he just make all that up, uh, or is he telling you the truth? Fifteen seconds on the clock. The question is: According to Holy Writ, what happened to the temple curtain when Jesus died on the cross? Rudy says it was rent. And two, what say you, Pamela, 15 seconds on the clock? I'm going to say he wrong. You're going to go with wrong. Are you sure you're going to go with wrong? Uh, he's, mm, I'm going to go right. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's see. Survey says... That is correct. He is she right. Went, she went right. I hope she used her turn signal. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's always, it's always, I forget sometimes. Uh, praise be to God. No, it is in fact correct. It was torn in two. And you think about like the Sanhedrin when they tore, ripped their garments. And it was tradition whenever a close family member died and you found out the news, the Jews would rip their garments. And so our Lord, the father, tears his garments at the death of his son. They were interesting. They were like, interesting. oh, uh, he died. Let me just go change really quickly into my really old robe. <laughs> right, on. right. Be right back. And yes, we think about t- torn from top to bottom. Yeah, so yeah. it's not by human hands. It's not by human hands. They didn't get it from the bottom up. And those curtains were big curtains, like thick, thick curtains. So really well made really curtains, cool. by the way. Uh, probably artisanal curtains. Let's see. All righty, Pamela. Are you ready for question numero trace? Yes. All right. Everybody knows a trace is actually German for three. Uh, question for you, Rudy. The question on the board is, which virtue is the angelic virtue? Angelic virtue. We should emulate the saints, especially our, our you know, our, our guardian angels. Um, 
And one of the, the greatest qualities that you can emulate from the angels is flightiness. Flightiness. It is a virtue to be flighty. Uh, you know, they're just kind of like flying mm, around. Mm-hmm. They fly because they can take themselves lightly. That's true. Exactly. Right. Okay. All right, Pamela. 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, which virtue is the angelic virtue? Rudy says it's flightiness. What say you, Pamela? I'm going to say he's wrong. You're wrong? All right. Let's find out. Survey says... Correct, Pamela. <laughs> Correct. It is not uh, flightiness. Flightiness. Courage would be a virtue, but flightiness? Nah. Some might say that I'm flighty. The correct answer is chastity, which is why St. Thomas Aquinas, who had such purity of heart, purity in virginity, he was the angelic doctor. So praise be to God, Pamela. You did great. How do you feel? Wonderful. Praise be to God, Pamela. All right. You did wonderful. Three for three. 100% success rate. Stay on the line so we can get your contact information. But God bless you. God love you. And uh, I'll be praying for all of your patients today. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you'd like to join us in the after show, feel free to do so. All you have to do is go to YouTube and look up Catholic Drive Time. Uh, We're only streaming on YouTube today. And so go to our YouTube channel, look up Catholic Drive Time, hop on our social media feed, and we'd love to interact with you directly. We're going to read your comments, answer any questions, comments, or concerns, soapboxes, negativities, positivities, or anything in between. So I look forward to having that conversation with you in just a moment. But if not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. And heads up, we're taking calls at 30 past the first hour about your favorite Christmas movie. So be sure to call in. God bless you. God love you. And finish Advent out strong. Almost there. Happy Advent. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Bye now, God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Hear the herald's voice resounding Christ is near, it seems to say Cast away the dreams of darkness Welcome, Christ, the light of day. Wakened by this solemn warning, let the earth-bound soul arise. Christ, her Son, all sloth dispelling, shines upon the morning skies. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. 
I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. O God, who gave the priest St. John an outstanding dedication to perfect self-denial and love of the cross, grant that by imitating him closely at all times, we may come to contemplate eternally your glory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. I am the Lord, your God, who grasp your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, O worm Jacob, O maggot Israel. I will help you, says the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. I will make of you a threshing sledge, sharp, new, and double-edged, to, to thresh the mountains and crush them, to make the hills like chaff. When you winnow them, the wind shall carry them off, and the storm shall scatter them. But you shall rejoice in the Lord, and glory in the Holy One of Israel. The afflicted and the needy seek water in vain. Their tongues are parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up rivers on the bare heights, the fountains in the broad valleys. I will turn the desert into a marshland and the dry ground into springs of water. I will plant in the desert the cedar, acacia, myrtle, and olive. I will set in the wasteland the cypress, together with the plane tree and the pine, that all may see and know, observe and understand, that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. The Word of the Lord. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. I will extol, extol you, O my God and King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. The Lord is good to all and compassionate toward all his works. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. The Lord is gracious and merciful, 
slow to anger, and of great kindness. Let them make known to men your might and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom for all ages, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a savior. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the crowds, Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent are taking it by force. All the prophets and the law prophesied up to the time of John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, the one who is to come. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the Gospel today, we're again presented with the figure of St. John the Baptist. Jesus says two very important, interesting things. He says, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What does Jesus mean by this? Wouldn't we think that his mother would be the greatest that is born of women, or even Jesus himself, who is God? Of course, in that time, John, when John the Baptist came, Many people thought that he was the Messiah. He came, of course, wearing camel's hair, eating locusts and honey as his diet. Not the kind of guy he'd want to go to dinner with. But, but in proclaiming that the, that the Lord is coming and to prepare this way. So he is very this striking figure, and of all the prophets, is the one who is closest to the coming of the Messiah, whose words, of course, are going to be fulfilled, the one who will point out the Lamb of God. And because of this, and because of all the people who were coming to him, that baptism of repentance, you could really say that there was none greater in terms of human glory or the glory that he was receiving in this life than John the Baptist, our late, of course, being very hidden. And Jesus, in, in his own way at that time, being quite hidden, living 33 years of his life, or 30 years of his life, rather, mainly at home. Yet he says, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. It's interesting because Matthew, earlier in, in the Sermon on the Mount, has said, you know, those who teach these commandments and, and others to do so will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And those who do not teach the commandments or don't follow the, the smallest of them will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Is that whom he's referring to now? Now, isn't it rather somebody like our Blessed Mother or the least, those who are the lowest, the hidden, who are really the greatest, because then the glory of God is able to shine through them more quickly, more readily. Saint John, or Saint, or Jesus goes on to say, so from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, 
and the violent are taking it by force. I believe it was St. Jerome in one of his commentaries saying that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and that the violent are taking it by force is the realization that we, because of our fallen human nature, are kind of bent out of shape. And that bending back, that repentance that John the Baptist called his, the followers, his followers to, and of course when Jesus goes out, he begins his, his ministry by saying, repent the, and, and believe in the gospel, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That bending back is something that often is painful and difficult and takes probably most of our life. But in that bending back, there's a violence that takes place, a violence against, of course, our own human inclinations, our own will. And those who have, who have let's say, have, have done great and severe penances know very well the, the, the medicinal effect of such things, how they really do help us to dispose ourselves to the grace and mercy of God. So yes, it is the violent who are taking it by force because it is those who have, by that violence, have disposed themselves to the working of God in their life. This is where we could look to the saint that we celebrate today, St. John of the Cross. It really, if you live out any, what he says, it really is a cross. And he says, if we want to come to know the deepest riches and the knowledge of God, we have to pass first through the thicket of suffering. That that is the only way. And God gives some a desire for this. Probably not many, but a real desire. We want the effects, of course, of it. We want the, the, the benefits of it. But to really want to pass through that way. St. John of the Cross gives us a light to follow through that thicket of suffering. And of, in a way to, take, to storm the kingdom of God by violence. Of course, there are, there are crosses that we choose and there are some that we don't. And probably it's those that we don't uh, that we learn a lot from. Those that we choose, well, we can choose how intense we want those to be. But the crosses that God gives to us when it says to take up our cross and follow him is in a way that tries to, again, bend us back so that we can be right with God. Let us ask St. John the Baptist and D. St. John of the Cross today, interceding for us that we may be the least in the kingdom of God so that God's glory and his, and his work can shine through us more easily and that we would go through those, that thicket of suffering to take the kingdom of heaven by storm. May that be really our greatest desire. Let us bring our prayers and petitions before our Heavenly Father for the Holy Church of God, for our Holy Father Pope Francis, for his continued recovery, let us pray to the Lord. Let's pray for those who govern us, that they uh, may be conscious of those who are most in need, and always to defend life in those who are most vulnerable. Let us pray to the Lord. Let's pray for the sick and those who are suffering, that through these thickets of suffering they experience in their life, may experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ and the riches and knowledge of his glory. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. Let us pray to the Lord. For those joining us on Guadalupe Radio, online, those here present, for the intentions we hold in our hearts to those who have asked us to pray for them. Let us pray to the Lord. 
Heavenly Father, graciously hear the prayers we bring before you this day and answer them according to your holy will through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth, the work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Let's be God. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, work of human hands, become our spiritual drink. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Look upon the sacrificial gifts we offer, Almighty God, in commemoration of St. John of the Cross, and grant that we who celebrate the mysteries of the Lord's Passion may imitate what we now enact through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh, and so fulfill the design you formed long ago and opened up for us the way to eternal salvation. That when he comes again in glory and majesty and all is at last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which now we dare to hope. And so with all the angels and archangels with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Pleni Suncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise, for through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. 
Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with Saint John of the Cross, and with all the saints in whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May the sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, in the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And the sufferings are the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, we tollis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, we adore Thee, 
who in thy love divine conceal thy mighty Godhead in forms of bread and wine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thy. O Jesus, we adore thee, our victim and our priest, whose precious blood and body become our sacred feast. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment Let us pray. <clears throat> o God, who in St. John have wonderfully made known the mystery of the cross, graciously grant that, drawing strength from this sacrifice, we may cling faithfully to Christ and labor in the church for the salvation of all, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Savior of the nations, come. Virgin Son, make here thy home. Marvel now, O heaven and earth, that the Lord chose such a birth. Not by human flesh and blood, by the Spirit of our God, was the Word of God made flesh, woman's offspring pure and fresh. Wondrous birth, O wondrous child, of the virgin undefiled, though St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. 